bless your holy name. We praise you with all that is within us. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We lift you up. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your favor. We rejoice in who you are. We rejoice in all that you've done. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. Speak to our hearts tonight. Let your word penetrate. Let your word transform. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and respond. Let your word work. Your good work in each one of us. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. If you have your Bibles, go to Acts 20. And we'll start reading from there in just a little bit. Acts 20. And we'll probably be in this group of verses for about three months. So, stick with us. Stick with us. We're going to talk about the measure of a minister. The measure of a minister. Because you know, we're all ministers. The Bible says we're servants of the Lord. A minister means a servant. And the Bible is very clear. If you're a Christian, you're a servant of the Lord. We're a servant of the Lord. And we're going to look at our text and see the farewell message of one of the greatest, finest servants there probably ever was, that Apostle Paul. It's been said that one day we will have to give our farewell speech. Can we look back without regret and look forward without fear? It's a good question. Measuring our ministry. Now let's use Paul's farewell message to measure ourselves and make sure that we are measuring up. It's not so much to take out your yardstick and measure your neighbor, but it's to put yourself on the scale of God's Scripture and make sure you're measuring like you need to measure. Can you say amen? If you would, Acts, the 20th chapter. And let's start out with verse 18. Paul not really thinking he would see this group of elders again, the elders from Ephesus. He called them on his way to Jerusalem and he wants to have a final speech. He's giving them his farewell address. So verse 18, When they arrived, Paul said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. Although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared both to Jews and Greeks they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of his grace. Now I know that none of you among you I have gone out will see me again. Therefore, I declare to you that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will or counsel of God. Verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and over the flock of which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. You know, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in 
among you and not spare the flock, even from your own number. Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you day and night with tears. And now I commit you to God into the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Wow. The measure of a minister. There were three parts to Paul's farewell message. The first part, he, he reviewed the past. He reviewed the past. And then he discussed the present. And then finally, he spoke about the future. He spoke about the future. We can see that next slide if it's up there. Let's see the next slide, PowerPoint number two. Um, and we'll see how Paul, he reviews the past. He gives a testimony of the present. And he warns them about the future. Now, the first part, he's going to emphasize his faithfulness to the Lord and to the church that he ministered to after these three years. You know, that's the most important quality in the life of any person is faithfulness, availability, dependability. It's the question you really have to ask whether you're in ministry or you're in a relationship or you're in a team or you're in a job. Can you, can you show up? Can I count on you? You know, there's a lot of things in life that are not really fair. Talent, some have more and some have less and some have this. Um, there's talent, there's intellect, there's opportunity. Some get breaks. Some were born with a silver spoon. Others, you know. But faithfulness is a choice. Where many things in life are not a choice, your faithfulness is a choice. You can show up. You, you can be faithful. You can be dependable. You can be trustworthy. One of the greatest things God looks for in a man or a woman. Gifts come and gifts go. But can I count on you and can you be trusted? And Paul talks about that. Then the second section, he reveals um, his personal feelings about his past time with them and now the present time and the future that comes. And lastly, he warns them of the danger that the church faced. We must always be alert and be vigilant in our walk with God whether it's individually or it's a family, it's a church, it's a denomination, vigilant for the cause of Christ. So now let's, number one, the review of the past. The review of the past. Our next slide, we'll look at that. The review of the past. And Paul is going to discuss the motive of his ministry, the manner of his ministry, and the message of his ministry. And this is the review of the past. And we'll try to touch on the motive of Paul's ministry. The motive of Paul's ministry. Let's look at that next slide. The motive of Paul's ministry. His motive, as we're going to see, was serving the Lord. Verse 19 has the, has the key. He says, serving the Lord. And the motive is, I serve the Lord. I serve the Lord. Um, he's not interested in making money. You see that in verse 33, if you have your Bible. If you see in verse 33, Paul writes here, Listen, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. He says, you know what, I'm not in it for the money. He says, my, my motive is not that at all. He says, I serve the Lord. I'm in this because I consider this my service to my Lord. He says, I wasn't in it just to enjoy the easy life. I didn't, um, I didn't orchestrate everything and, and, and angle everything to get an easy life. In fact, this is what he says in, in verse 34. You yourselves know that these hands of mine supply my own needs until the work was up and at it. Paul worked until they could supply his needs. He says, everything I did, I showed you that by hard work, we must help the weak. By hard work, Paul says, you know, my motive is that I serve the Lord. Our motive in ministry is not Wealth, 
It's not prestige. It's not just to get an easy way of life. It's that we can honor and please and glorify our God and our King. He, he was a servant. And you see again and again in the Scripture, um, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. His motives for ministry were spiritual, not selfish. His efforts and sacrifices were for the glory of the Lord. Whatever you do as a Christian, we do it for the glory of God. We don't do it for the applause of men. We don't do it for the appraisal of men. We do it that we might please the one that purchased us. Paul was a man totally devoted to Jesus. He was devoted to the will, the cause, and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see how it says in verses 18 and 19, he says, when I arrived, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. He says, my life was transparent. You could examine my life. You know, that's the hard thing sometimes about the TV ministry. You don't, can't see their life, can you? You can't see their life, can you? Yeah, yeah, you just hear them and then you find out. But when they walk among you, you could see where they live and where they shop and how their kids. And he says, I, I lived among you. I worked among you. There's a transparency in ministry that we have to measure up to. He says, the whole time I was with you, you know how I lived the whole time. From the first day I came into the providence. From the first day, the whole time, you could see it. Paul viewed the ministry primarily as serving the Lord. As serving the Lord. And he commonly referred to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. You'll see over and over again, it, whether it's Paul or Peter, James, Jude, when they begin their epistles, Jude, Peter, James, a servant, or literally a bondservant of Jesus Christ. They didn't go crazy with the titles, for some people like the titles. They're a bondservant of Jesus Christ. They consider themselves servants of Christ. Jesus was the one Paul sought to please. Not himself, not men, not his family. He sought to please the Lord. In fact, um, remember in Acts 27, there's the storm. Paul's on the ship and there's the storm. And Paul speaks to the men. And notice how he refers to himself. Let's look at this together. Acts 27 and verse 23. His goal, you're going to see Paul's motive for ministry, and our motive is to serve the Lord. Why do you do what you do? Because I'm serving the Lord. Why do you give like you give? Because I'm serving the Lord. Why do you go the extra mile? Why do you demand a certain level of excellence? Because I'm serving the Lord. Is it for the applause of men? No, that might come and that might not come, and that's better than um, getting eggs thrown at you, but that's not why I'm doing it. I want to please the Lord. Amen? Uh, you know, a long time after, you know, the older preachers after those churches don't even know if you could preach or not, the Lord's going to remember everything. Can you say amen? When, when others, you know, they don't make any difference, but the Lord, He hadn't forgot a thing. He hadn't forgot a sacrifice. He hadn't forgot a lonely night. He hadn't forgot one arrow that you took. When they all forget your name and they're, they're on to something else. The Lord. Praise God. Look at Paul. I love this. Last night, an angel of God. This is how he describes himself now. This is the great apostle. Whose I am and whom I serve. You need to be able to say that about your life with Jesus. I'm His and I serve Him. That's why I live like I live. That's why I take the stance that I take. Amen? I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am, I am His. He purchased me with that blood. I belong to Him and I serve Him. Unashamedly, wholeheartedly, without any fear or contradiction, I serve the Lord. And while we're sitting in that group of verses, it's too good to leave it there. Let's read the next couple. I like this. I like this. 
And that angel said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously give you the lives of all that sail with you. And I like this 25th. So keep up your courage. Paul says, keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I like that. Paul refers to himself as a servant. He refers to himself as one that belongs to God. And I love how he says it. I belong to God. I serve God and I believe God. I like that. He goes, I believe if God said it, it's coming to pass. Amen. If God promised it, God's going to come true on his promise. So we're looking at the motive for Paul's ministry is I serve the Lord. That was the thing that drove everything. That was what caused him to live life. It was for the Lord. He was driven to please and honor the Lord. 2 Corinthians 8 and 5. 2 Corinthians 8 and 5. And this kind of gives us the order. This kind of gives us the order. Paul, in this context, is talking about financial giving. But we can... Giving of our talents as well as our time. As well as our treasures. Notice how he says this. We've got to put things in order. Paul says, And they did not do as we expected. He was pleasantly surprised. But they gave themselves first to the Lord. Somebody say, first to the Lord. Man, that'll solve a whole lot of problems. That'll solve a whole lot of issues right there. First to the Lord. Just get it in line. Get it in order. Amen? You know what I mean? Trying to, like, you know, the kids. Remember the building blocks? Kids used to have blocks years ago. Remember that? Remember that? Yeah, yeah. But what a day. Isn't that wonderful? They actually did something. So look at a screen. But anyway, and, and those building blocks. Now, you're going to build something tall, you got to have a good foundation. Isn't that right? You couldn't just put one there and expect it to build out. And a lot of people are trying to build their lives, their marriages, their ministries, their careers. And they got a lame foundation. They're trying to build on this little nitwit of, uh, of, uh, of devotion instead of first the Lord. Then do us. Then do others in keeping with God's will. You see what it says there? In keeping with God's will. God's will is that we put the Lord first in our lives. Then others, then ourselves. Paul's motive for ministry, I serve the Lord. His motive was to please the Lord. He sacrificed what he sacrificed. He endured what he endured. Because he wanted to please the Lord Jesus. He was in love for Jesus. It was his passion. It was his priority and his desire. He sought to please Jesus. Not men. Not himself. Look at Galatians 1 and 10. Here's another one. Galatians 1 and 10. Just another verse. Similar things. The, The context is preaching a pure gospel. An unadulterated or diluted gospel. A gospel that is pure according to the Bible. Not not tweaked so that it would appease culture. This is the context where Paul says, even if an angel comes down and preaches any other gospel that when you find in that Bible, let him be accursed. I don't care if he does signs and wonders. I don't care if he pulls a rabbit out of his hat. He reads you your mail. I don't care any of the nonsense. Okay? Any of that. If he doesn't preach in line with the book, let him be accursed. That's the, that's the context. The verses. Now, and Paul says, listen, and what he's saying here for referring is, hey, I can make it easier on myself and I could just make it, you know, pleasing to men. It's easy to tweak it a little here and there so that there's, take out the sting of that conviction and make it the culturally pleasant gospel. 
But he says the only problem with that is the goal and motive of my life in ministry is not just numbers or just to get a lot of people to say, wow, he can really connect. Hey, what are you connecting with? But my goal is, here it is, verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? That's a good question. Am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I can't be a servant of Christ if my goal is just to please men. My number one priority has to be to please Him. Yeah. His goal and chief desire to be approved of God. Wow. Remember, we all got to give our farewell speech. Can we look back without regret and look forward without fear? Wow. 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Thessalonians 2. Let's look at one more. In Paul's motive for ministry, I want to please the Lord. But my kids might get mad. I want to please the Lord. But, but, but my parents, I want to please the Lord. But the people on the job, they call me names. I want to please the Lord. If we can get our motives right, Please the Lord. You're not going to have to ask me twice to serve. You're not going to have to call me up and say you forgot your chance to serve. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be ready. Because I'm doing this unto the Lord. That makes everything. See, we missed that. We missed that. We missed that. When I'm driven, because my motive is to please the Lord, guess what? I'll be on time. And I'll be ready to go. I'll be prepared. Because I'm doing it unto the Lord. No, no, no shoddy stuff. They don't fly by night when it comes to him. Not him. Amen. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians 2. Again, pure motives and a pure message. Ultimate goal is to please God. Paul says, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. He says, The message we preach isn't coming from impure motives. I'm not trying to fool you, just to, to sway you, just to win you over. Not at all. Verse 4. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. And again, he says again, my my motive is to please, please God. He's going to test my heart. I'm not in this to please men. If men get blessed, hallelujah. But that's not the goal and the motive of it. The goal is to please God. Yeah, give that one more. What's that fifth one? For you know we never use flattery. Man-pleasers love to use flattery. Nor do we put on a mask. God is our witness. Again, His goal is that He would get the approval of the Lord. I want the approval of God. What good is it to get men's approval if you don't get God's approval? Ultimately, what good would it be if you got everyone slap on the back? Oh, he's great. He's wonderful. Oh, I'm just really. But God says, I'm not pleased. We are called to serve God. And that should be our sincere motive as we minister to others. God first. Others second. Me last. As I minister as a parent, it's in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's for the glory of God. As I minister as a husband, as I minister 
as, as a preacher, it's number one to please God. Because you can leave and they can throw you a wonderful farewell present and put, give you a plaque. But if God wasn't pleased with it, when you stand before the chief shepherd and he wasn't pleased, what good is it? What good is it? Paul considered, well, let's go this, let me go backwards. Unto the Lord, unto the Lord. Let's think of this phrase, unto the Lord. Again, we are called to serve God and that should be our sincere motive as we minister to others. So even as I minister to you, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. So if I really am going to do it unto the Lord, it means I'm going to give you my very best. It's unto the Lord. But when we do it to the least of them, we do it unto... So one of the greatest ways I express my love for Jesus is how I minister to you. Now, if I love the Lord, what I do is unto the Lord and it's for the glory of the Lord. So if I'm pouring a cup of cold water or putting an addition on the building and I'm doing it for the glory of God, I'm going to do it with some excellence. If I'm going to minister to someone else and I'm doing it as unto the Lord, I'm going to do it with excellence. You see, it, it is shown when I do something unto the Lord, the expression of that is seen in my effort, my sacrifice and my diligence towards men. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Let's look at that together. Colossians 3, 24, 23 and 24. Because again, our motive is to please the Lord. And one of the chief ways we express that pleasing God is in my quality effort in ministering to man. When you do it to the least of them, you did it unto me. I, I, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and, and you clothed me. So again, one of the ways I please God, one of the ways I live unto the Lord is expressed in how I minister or minister in love to others. Paul writes, whatever you do. This is interesting. Because he's putting it in the context of working maybe like your secular job. That's ministry. Because you do it unto the Lord. Whatever you do. That kind of covers a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Whatever you do. Can't take a break with that one. Paul just kind of got everyone. He got us all. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Quality effort. Amen? Nothing shoddy when it's unto the Lord. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whether it's secular employment, whether it's your ministry in the church, whatever you do, you work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, you know if you're a good worker in your secular job, you'll get blessed one day in heaven because of it. Because God sees you as working unto Him, as a witness to Him, as an ambassador for Him. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Notice that. He just got done talking about working out in the secular. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Oh, I heard the groans. Man, they were. Yeah. That means when I serve unto the Lord, whether I'm teaching Sunday school, or I'm ushering in the aisles, whether it's music or administration, grounds, visitation, when I do it unto the Lord, it puts an excellence in what I do. When I do it unto the Lord, it puts a diligence in what I do. When I do it unto the Lord, the expression of that is very often seen in how I minister unto you. It helps me and keeps me from complaining and quitting. 
from boasting and slacking, from comparing when I do it unto the Lord, when I do it unto the Lord. Paul considered a great honor and privilege to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and so should we. So should we. Don't ever complain about it. It's a privilege to serve. Priority, sincerity, ultimately it's desire. So pure and sincere motivation is great importance if we're really going to serve the Lord. Remember, God's examining our hearts here. God's examining our hearts. So here's a good model for our motivation. Um, go to 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. This is a good model for the men and women of God. We want to make it our goal to please Him. That's a good model for life. So whether, so we make it our goal to please Him. Why do you go the extra mile? Because I make it my goal to please Him. Why did you do that? You know that cost you two nights of tossing and turning, and you took a lot of arrows, and you took a lot of nonsense, when you could have let it slide. Because I make it my goal to please Him. Alright? Whether we're at home in the body or away from it, our goal is to please Him. What does that next verse tell us? Wow. For we must all appear for judgment to Christ that each one may receive. I make it my goal to please Him. Because one day I'm going to stand before Him. How about that? So when I come, I'm coming ready. I'm coming prayed up. I'm coming prepared. If I've got to go the extra mile, or if I've got to do something that's not popular and not appreciated, if it's going to cause people gabbing about me, you know what? I make it my goal to please Him. If I was being moved by others, make it our goal to please Him. We follow His pattern. That's the pattern Jesus followed. That was His example for us. And next week, when we get into the manner of his ministry, we'll certainly go into John 13 and we'll see the, the washing of the feet. But let's look at what Peter now, Paul, look what Peter said to church leaders and, and church ministers. Again, giving us instruction, giving us a goal that we should reach for. First Peter 5, 2 and 3. First Peter 5, 2 and 3. Here's our motive, our motive, our motive. If my motive is to please God, I'm going to serve God wholeheartedly. I'm going to serve God in excellence, in diligence. If my real motive is to please God, it'll be seen in my expression as I love men. Because I'm doing it unto the Lord. It'll be seen in the natural workplace. It'll be seen in the house of God. Here, Peter writes to the elders. So, to the leaders, to the ministers. Be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care. Serving as overseers, here's the first thought, not because you must. Talking about our motives now. Not because someone bugged you. Not because you need the money. Not because you must, but because you are willing. Willing. God wants a willing motivation. Willing because you love the Lord. Willing because, hey, God did so much for me. It's an honor to serve Him. It's an honor to give back to Him. Not because you're you're willing. As God wants you to be, God wants us to serve Him willingly. Amen? Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Eager to serve. Eager to serve. Like the eagerness to serve. Not, well, if you can't find anyone else. Eager to serve. 
We lost sight of Jesus somewhere along the line. And we got caught up in all that other stuff. But, but the example is, number, I'm doing it willingly, but with an eagerness. There's a joy in serving as unto the Lord. And what's that next one say? Not lording it over those entrusted you, but being examples. And the way we do it is a pattern. An example is a pattern. So we carry ourselves in a way that can be mimicked and can be exampled. Not lording it over those, but being examples to the flock. When we get put in a place of leadership, it's not so much for authority, but responsibility. Amen? All right? That's why our board does such a great job. There's so much stuff around here. All buildings, everything, you know, the stuff. And, and no, no, no authority, responsibility. They're constantly going, taking care of this, watching over that. You know, some people got an idea, I, I want to place in leadership as authority. Forget authority. It's called responsibility. <laughs> it's, it's called being there at seven when the bulldozer shows up. It's called being there late when the guy wants, it's, it's called, you know, the tree's falling down. Oh, you better get out there. Oh, they got, it's, it, it's called, you see, le- leadership, not so much authority, but responsibility. And those that got, have a pure motivation, there's a willingness, there's an eagerness, and they go about it in a way that others can follow such an example. That's how they go about it. Not just, well, we got the job done. Yeah, but we don't want anyone to see the way you did it. But they go about it uprightly. Let me give you four thoughts as we close. Four thoughts. When my motives are pure, measure of a ministry, measuring myself. I've got to start in the heart. No matter if I, I can preach real well and do my job real well, but the Lord's examining where? He's the God of the what? God of the heart. Amen? So the first thing we got to get this, uh, my heart's got to be on the scale. All right. All right. Now, when my motives are pure, number one, my efforts are sincere for the glory of God. They're sincere. I'm not doing this for any ulterior motive. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, whether we eat or drink, we do it all for the glory of God. Regardless of what we do, we do it for the glory of God. As a Christian, we do it all for the glory of God. So when my motivations are pure, my efforts will be sincere. I'm coming and I'm giving my best because I love Jesus. And I'm so thankful for what He's done for me. And I consider it an honor that I can pour a cup of cold water in His name. That He would entrust children to the Sunday school teacher and allow you to share the bread of life with these tender ones that are so pliable, they're so young and taking everything in. That God, you know, I know you all good parents here. You don't let any joker babysit your kids, would you? Of course not. I mean, this day and age, you can't even let them go play. I mean, you've got to screen the playmates. I mean, you know, it's a crazy age we live in. Isn't that right? But yet God will allow us to teach a Sunday school class entrusting the care of His little ones to us. Wow. What a privilege. We should take that as an honor and give our very best to God. So when my motives are pure, my efforts are sincere. I'm doing this because I love Jesus. I'm doing this because I'm so thankful for all that the Lord has done for me. And I consider it a privilege and an honor to do anything in His name. So number one, my efforts are sincere. And number two, when my motives are pure, my ministry is considered nourishment, not punishment. If you consider it punishment, then something wrong. John 4, note takers 34. You remember Jesus? He got done ministering to a woman at the well. 
And the men came with food, and he says, I don't worry about it, guys. I got meat to eat that you know nothing about. He said, man, who, who, who brought the Lord a sub? Amen. They said, who got here? And what did Jesus say? He said, my meat to eat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish that work. He says, you know the thing that drives me? I'm driven by the will of God. I don't consider it, oh man, I got, I, I'm excited. It energizes my life. Oh, if my heart is pure, I find joy and excitement in serving the Lord. Amen? It's not a burden. It's not, no, 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 no. It's a, uh, living in sin was a burden. Serving the Lord is a privilege. And when I have the right perspective, man, it's a joy. Glory to God. Wow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whew. Well, my motives are pure. My efforts will be sincere. My ministry is considered nourishment, not punishment. I do it with excellence. I do with excellence. Wholeheartedly unto the Lord. You know, there is, there is a proper type of pride. Isn't that right? Proper type of pride. When you do a job, you don't want it to look like some fly-by-night did it. When you do a job and someone knows so-and-so built that room, well, you know, you want to be able to, that's a good job. When you do something, right, whatever your profession is, when you do something, you want to do it right. When I serve the Lord, I want to do it right. Isn't that true? I do it with excellence. My motives are right. I care about the quality of my work. I care about the quality of my work. If I'm doing something for Jesus, I care. You know, for most of us, God never asked us to go to the other ends of the world. For most of us, never asked us to be martyrs. Quite frankly, he has very little of most of us, if we can be honest in the big picture of things. So what he does give us to do, we all give 110% when we do it. Isn't that right? Talking about the motivation of the heart. My motives are pure. You're going to see it in the effort that I give. Here's a verse. Here's a verse. We looked at Colossians 3 earlier. Tie this verse in with it. Ephesians 6, 6 and 8. Ephesians 6, 6 and 8. Is the Lord really, Paul really challenged that early church because, you know, the best place to witness, the best place to be an example typically is out about when you're working. That's when you're with worldly people. That's when you're with unbelievers. The rest of the time, typically, you're with the redeemed. And so Paul understood, man, one of the most important places really to be on your game is when you're talking, and this is the context talking to slaves, so we can just easily apply it to the workforce and it's... Obey them not only to win their favor, when their eye is on you, when you're working, don't just do good when the boss is looking. I mean, if you're doing it unto the Lord, the Lord's always looking, right? <laughs> you know, when you grow up in church, <laughs> I looked at the clock, I got a little time, so I can tell a story. Um, you know, when you grow up in the church, it's wonderful growing up in the church, all right? Because you just, I mean, even if you, you don't have to be a preacher's kid, just be a regular, you know, blue collar kid, just this, but open them ears, right? And I can remember a couple times when I got teenage years and dad bring me to them, men's breakfast, all right? And I, I started hearing those guys complaining. I worked in the factories and, you know, a typical blue collar, you know, the management don't know what they're doing, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. And then finally one of them, 
And I never really, I mean, he was a good man. I knew him. You know, of course, you know, all these people, you grow up in it. You grow up in the church. And finally, one of them speaks up and says, well, you know what? And I never plugged him as being one of the more spiritual ones. He was a good guy, but I never really plugged him. And he says, you know what? I don't really care much about those foremen or those managers. I go in there, and what I do is for the glory of God. Oh, you talk about shutting up a bunch of men at a men's breakfast. Ooh, glory. I just, I just, my 15, 14, 15 year old kid, I never forgot that. I said, oh yeah, woo. <laughs> he was right though. Paul's talking about the condition of slavery. You think your union's bad? They didn't have a union. So Paul says, when, as a Christian, when you're working, this is in the natural world when you're working in the church. When you obey them, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like servants of Christ. Doing the will of God, where? From the heart. The first place that we measure is that heart. Amen? My motive, from the heart. Look at that next verse. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. You remember, you remember, most of you remember that old story. Um, it's in France. And there was some construction workers going on. And a, little, a kid walked by and said, what, what are you doing? And a guy looked back and said, I'm laying brick. What do you think I'm doing? Walked down. What are you doing? I'm laying, I'm laying stone for two francs a day, whatever. What are you doing? And that one walked down a little further. What are you doing? I mean, just, you know, stone, just stone, right? Cement all over. He's messed up. Just, you know, all this. What are you doing? I'm building a great cathedral. I'm building a great cathedral. Whatever you do for God, you're building a great cathedral. What are you doing? No, no, you're not just greeting people. You're building a great cathedral. You're not just cleaning up, but you're building a great cathedral. You're not just teaching a little class of four and five-year-olds. You're building a great cathedral. Oh, yeah. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. When you go to your work, do it unto the Lord. Do it as a testimony. Do it with thankfulness that God gave you strength to work and God supplies your needs that you can work. Next verse. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good He does. Whatever slavery free. Even if the boss doesn't recognize you, God will see your faithfulness. Amen? He, even if the boss, you know, and, they, and they, they promote one of their drinking buddies over you, the Lord will bless you in another way. Because the Lord will see your faithfulness. And the Lord will see you doing it unto Him. Well, my motives are pure. My efforts are sincere for the glory of God. My ministry is considered nourishment, not punishment. I do it all with excellence, wholeheartedly unto the Lord. And within it, I should find a joy in doing it, and consider it a privilege. You remember um, 2 Corinthians 9, familiar verse about giving, where Paul says about giving, again, he's talking about natural giving, but we can talk about your talents and your service. He says, don't do it grumbly or complaining, but give what you've decided in your heart to give, because God loves a cheerful giver. If He likes a cheerful giver when we give an offering of finances, how much more when we're giving our service? How much more when we're ministering or we're giving of ourselves? So again, when my motives are pure, 
when my motors are pure. Paul is reviewing the past. And the first thing he looks at is his motive. Paul's motive, the thing that drove Paul to go through what he went through, to live wholeheartedly with excellence unto the Lord, he wanted to please the Lord. He wanted the applause of heaven more than the applause of men. So the first thing we do is we examine our own hearts as we measure ourselves. Saying, Lord, help me to have a proper motivation. Help me to remember all that you did for me and all that you shall do for me. Help me to remember everything I do, I'm doing it unto you. And I want to express it in that way. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul. And Lord, we want to be found faithful in your sight. We want to be men and women of a pure motivation. A sincerity and an excellence, a wholeheartedness in our ministry. May our hearts be moved for heaven's applause. May our efforts be energized with the desire to please you and to do your will and to bring you glory. And may our sincere love and gratitude towards you be seen in how we live and how we serve in this present world. Father, we thank you for your word. Please purify our hearts. Give us a fresh passion and zeal to please you and to honor you in everything we say and in everything we do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, God bless you. Have a good night.